Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to share a personal anecdote about how social distancing due to coronavirus has affected me and the lessons that I've learned from it. For those that listen to the show regularly, you know that I've been training for a marathon with the specific goal of obtaining a Boston qualifying time. My race, as well as nearly every other race in the country, has been canceled for the foreseeable future. Because of the large amount of miles that you have to run per week, combined with the uncertainty of when a race would be available for me to try to hit a Boston qualifying time, I started to get really frustrated about what my next steps were going to be. Most races, including the race that I had registered for, offered a virtual option where you run with your phone's GPS to show that you completed a full 26.2 miles. I wasn't that interested in the option because I had focused so much on that Boston qualifying time, which you can't get with the virtual option. In the days following, I was able to get over my initial disappointment and change my attitude. I signed up for the virtual race, did my 26.2 miles around my house. My family was super supportive. They drove behind me, cheering me on the whole way. And when I got back to the house, they were congratulating me and saying, Daddy, what a great job that you did. The two lessons that I learned were, one, don't put the goal ahead of the process, and two, focus on the things that you can control. In this case, I was so focused on the Boston qualifying time that I didn't appreciate the progress that I had made, and two, I was still focused on the fact that I couldn't obtain a time that I didn't consider the virtual race and the benefits that it could have. As a result, I was able to have a great day with my family, and while we're social distancing, I'll make sure to make the most of that time. And oh, by the way, according to my watch, I made that Boston qualifying time, so I'm ready to try again as soon as I can. Health, travel, finance, parenting, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. $250 a month into my child's 529 from the month that they start kindergarten, I should be able to pay for 80% of my child's college. Because I don't trust that most people will eat their vegetables. So usually our kind of standard is three servings of vegetables per meal. You take something like a a two by six and you cut it with a circular saw. That's like a superpower. Those middle school years are not as fun, but at that age, they're still willing to talk to you. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. Today's topic is functional fitness, specifically for those aged 50 and older. There are certainly concepts that can apply to people of all ages and all fitness levels. My guest is Liz Grantham. She has over 30 years experience in marketing and advertising, providing innovative, integrated, thoughtful solutions for global clients like Visa, Shell, and Sony Mobile while working on various projects, including the Olympics. Her love of a challenge and making big things happen together with a need to manage the stress that comes along with running a business, endless deadlines, keeping clients happy, being a present and mindful mom, led her on the journey to what has become the optimal me. Liz, thanks so much for taking some time to join us here today on the show. Really excited to talk about your background. A lot of the episodes we focused on with health has been around a younger demographic than your expertise. So I'm going to be very interested to understand what transitions people should go into as they get into that 50 plus range and to continue to stay active um, and improving their lifestyle. So again, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to talk to you. It's a great pleasure and um, I hope we have a good hour. For sure. Can you kick us off by giving us your background? What is it that interested you in developing the optimal me and what you're looking for people that are coming into your program to gain. 
So I think it's it's like everything in life when you when you get to midlife and older we we have a quite a long backstory. So my entire career past 30 plus years has been in advertising. Um I've owned my own agency for the last for more than 20 years and I work on massive clients, Visa, Mastercard, Shell, um you know I've worked on the Olympic Games as a most of them since the late 90s, um FIFA, the big World Cup so a lot of the work I've done has always been very deadline driven. Um, and obviously we're a small agency here. And um, what happens is we fight against the big guys quite a lot. So so my motto has always been, we're, we're only as good as our last job. And what that creates is this really high level of ongoing stress. You know, you live by the tyranny of the clock. You never stop hearing that tick tock, tick tock. Um, and life just gets really stressful. Uh, sorry, stressful. And added to that, um, I'm the mom of a single mom of a beautiful daughter. She's now 24, going on 25. Um, but for most of her life, I've had my own business and finding a way to work in advertising with the demands of clients, etc., and be a really present mother, um, because that was a decision that I made um, when I got pregnant: was that I was really going to work very hard at being the best mother I could be. Um, you know, it was a lot to carry anyway. What happened was I, I, of course, was beyond stressed out most of, you know, most of my life. Clients shouting, yelling, doing deadlines, people. Um, and I got to a point some years back where I really was, things were, were getting out of control for me and I wasn't exercising. I mean, I was living on ibuprofen at lunchtime every day to just sort of get through the afternoon, another one at night. Um, you know, I suffered terribly with my jaw. I you know, had locked jaw, had to have acupuncture in it to get it undone. You know, it's ridiculous, stupid stress. Um, and my therapist actually said to me, if you do not get to the gym or start exercising in some way to balance all of this out, you're going to end up having a real problem. Um, and, you know, he said to me, adrenal fatigue. I mean, if you have adrenal burnout, you're going to end up in a place where you can't get out of bed for a long time. Um, and, you know, blood pressure, all of those things. And and eventually I just thought, if I don't listen to him, I'm really being quite stupid. Um, but I was so against going to gym. I, you know, I'm not an exerciser. I was a swimmer when I was younger. Um, I don't love to run. I don't love to really break out in a big sweat. The thought of breaking out in a sweat with other people doing that around me, kind of spinning class or whatever is enough to give me hives. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, no, thank you. Um, and he said to me, you know, you've got to find, you've got to find something. And I'm not mad about yoga. I mean, I respect the, the discipline of it. It's just too slow for me. You know, I'm, I'm a go, go girl. I've got to get moving. Um, Pilates, I found sometimes I loved it and other times I, I found it quite boring because it was same old, same old. And I, and I started doing some real research. Um, I'm, a, I'm a, a big proponent of functional medicine and I've been very well looked after by two great functional medicine doctors who really made massive sense to me um, in terms of how they approached, you know, kind of things that happen as we get older, menopause and hormones. Um, you know, physical things without just constantly wanting to give me a pill. Because um, I, I don't really like, other than ibuprofen, which has always been my friend, I'm not mad <laughs> about any of the rest. So I was kind of talking to people and, and one of my doctors said to me, well, you know, why don't you talk to this physiotherapist? She's quite alternate. She's got a different view. Um, 
and she then said to me, well, you know, there's this great guy who does um, kind of a functional movement class. And it's all about movement. Movement is actually what's important. It's not about what movement you necessarily do. You just really must be moving. Um, and you need to think about your body and how your body moves and what's important, especially for you at this time of your life. Um, and I went eventually, eventually I took myself one Friday afternoon to a, to a class that was called Move and Stretch. And I thought it was five o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And I really was kind of, God help me. I can't believe I'm doing this. You know, I sort of gingerly walked into the gym, which is in a space I'm comfortable in. Right. And honestly, I had the best hour that I had had in years. I was, I mean, I, I just couldn't really believe what had happened because as you know, normally I'm watching the clock. I mean, I live watching the clock, you know, that's what I do. Come how much longer? When can I be finished? Got to get on to the next thing. And in this class at five o'clock on a Friday were such a variety of people. Number one, men and women. The age, the age group was extraordinary. I mean, there were some women and men in that class that were in their 60s and 70s and even early 80s. And they were quite amazing. I mean, they were moving and doing. And the whole concept of what he did was quite different. The music was fantastic. I mean, and that, that immediately worked for me because, you know, I love music. I worked, a lot of the work I've done in my life has been in the entertainment and music industry. And um, it kind of just made the time go by. And what was also interesting was the movements that we were doing and what he, what he had us doing wasn't quite aerobics. You know, I sort of had that picture of I was going to be doing Jane Fonda in leg warmers and think it wasn't there. <laughs> right. There was a little bit of yoga. There were a few bits of Pilates things. There were some things that I knew, but it was such fun. And it went faster and then slower. And there was a lot of repetition that went on. And through that 50 minutes, I actually felt the whole of my jaw, neck, upper body trapezia actually starting to kind of relax. And at the end of the class, I was like, I'm actually feeling quite joyful and happy. What's happened here? <laughs> I'm not ready to go and beat somebody up. And, um, and that, is, that is where this started. So I started doing functional, functional movement and um, just so impressed. Some of the people in the class had actually been, been working with um, Yanni, who is, who is on the Optimal Me. He is our, he's, his exercise program is what we have. Um, and he, they've been working with him for 25 plus years, some of these older people. And they were telling me, they were saying, you know, in the old age home, you know, I'm still picking up my grandchildren or this one's lifting things off the shelf and climbing a ladder. None of my friends would dare get on a ladder. You know, they were, they were really so active and so kind of, none of them all buff and beautiful, which is what you know, for me, I wasn't really looking for that anymore. I just wanted to feel really good and to feel better. Um, so, the, yeah, that's how the Optimal Me started. I, I went traveling for business. I was abroad and I was so stiff. And I thought, oh, if only I had some of those workouts in my pocket. Literally, I was sitting in a hotel room in Barcelona. And I thought, if I had that, if I had Yanni here with me now, in, you know, in half an hour, I'd feel great again. And, um, I phoned him and I said, look, I've just had this idea. And, and I think for a whole lot of reasons, we need to do this. And after that initial thought, what happened was that we really, well, I, you know, I started thinking about if I'm going to do this, 
I can't just be another kind of perceived exercise program. Um, and I started doing research and I realized that there is very little out there for people in midlife. There's a lot of exercise and, and opportunity if you're going to be doing core or strength or butts or, you know, abs or whatever those things are. But there's very little around looking at your at how your body moves, at how your body works, at all of the things that we at Midlife need to be really focusing on to make sure that we stay independent and active um, as we get older. And, you know, we're going to live a long time. So best that we make sure that we're looking after ourselves. And, um, you know, that's where the, and, and the, the whole idea around the optimal me and our, and our current offering grew from there. And we then thought, okay, well, we're talking so much about movement and movement is core, but what about the other things that you, that confuse us or that we need to know more about for good health? Nutrition is one. Um, you know, it's a really confusing world out there. I mean, I think that whilst this whole digital world has made things so wonderful in many ways, in others, it's made things a lot harder because um, there's just such an overload of information. And what do you believe? And what do you try? And, and how do you find good information? Um, so we, we thought, let's, let's start talking about nutrition, not in a way that is um, prescriptive, or um, advising people what to do because we're certainly not nutritionists. But what about if we tell you how, you know, what good is in what foods? What's going on? Let's compare different kinds of eating regimes. Let's, you know, talk about what things you can eat if you suffer from inflammationary diseases like arthritis, et cetera. What will help, you know, what could be detrimental? So we took that approach from on nutrition and then, of course, in midlife, um, we thought, what about self? You know, life has changed. Our parents at our age were kind of old people already. Um, I'm 52, going on 53. And I, you know, I still feel like I'm in my late 20s most of the time. So I am very, and I, and I definitely want to stay independent. And I very definitely don't want my daughter having to look after me because I'm kind of not able to take care of myself. Um, and so we started thinking about self and, 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 you know, that's kind of covers health issues. You know, what are the things we face now at 50, at 60, at 70? Um, what are the life issues that we're facing? You know, some of us are having to re-career or maybe we're not having to, but we're choosing to. Um, we might have to retire at 60 because that's company policy. But actually, we still want to be working and contributing. So what is it that we can do to help? And how do we get through those times? So um, whilst we have movement at our core, because I think movement is at the core of life, um, we've added these, these issues around nutrition and self to sort of round out creating a, a, a space that is um, well curated, that we could be a trusted source of information, um, we're not necessarily telling you what you have to do, but we're certainly making sure that everything that we publish um, is fit for purpose and focuses on our demographic. Um, and we're all about feeling good um, because when you feel good, you automatically look good. You know, you stand taller, you're more energized, etc. cetera. Um, and I've got no issue with anybody who wants to, in their 50s or 60s, have a six-pack or do any of that. I think it's fantastic. Um, but it's sort of unattainable for most of us. 
So um, if we can feel great, um, we're going to look better, you know, and, and that's really that's really what the optimal me is all about. Sorry, it was rather a long introduction. <laughs> no, it's perfect. That gets a good foundation for, I think, where the rest of our conversation is going to go. And I think you're spot on with one of the primary differences between the 50 plus demographic and younger is um, self-sufficiency. And like you said, just being able to be functional, um, not being at worst, like a burden to your kids potentially when you really get into older ages. Uh, for example, in this show, we have a lot of episodes dedicated to travel. And in my mind, what a tragedy that would be if you get to those retirement years when you've got the money to do more travel and all of a sudden you can't do it because it's just too much of a burden to get to the airport, get on a plane, do the tours and things that you want to do. So I think it definitely makes sense that people that are into this age range, those are the things that they do and should have on their mind as far as the goals that they have. And then to your point, yeah, six pack or the way you look is fine. And if they have the other goals of being functional, if it's a byproduct, great, <laughs> but it probably shouldn't be the primary goal. And I wonder what have you found, whether it's people coming into your program and their background, or maybe even your own background, are there things that people have done leading up to the age of 50 and beyond that have been a detriment? And where I'm going with that is there are certain exercises that can be really hard on your joints. I always say I'm a runner and there are a lot of runners who've just destroyed their knees after years and years of pounding the pavement and so on. So maybe like you said, you were a swimmer and something that for my own search right now in trying to get in the pool, even though I'm just a terrible, terrible swimmer, way easier on the joints. You still get that cardio. Are there things that you have found leading up to people getting to the the older ages um, that you're focusing on that they should stay away from or that they should even focus on um, to be in a good spot for longevity? Yeah. So absolutely. And I think, you know, everybody, I mean, everyone is unique. Everyone has their own likes, dislikes, um, you know, the people who they listen, they have their own advisors, people who they listen to and respect, um, you know, who whose opinions they follow. And I think there's no one size fits all. But but what there is, is a, is a fundamental, you know, the, the science tells us that we need to move. I mean, there is more and more and more research out there that says moving our bodies is essential. So we talk a lot about being functional and, you know, I'm sure you hear quite a lot of talk now, you know, it's really coming to the fore is this whole issue around functional fitness and what functional fitness is. Um, and, you know, it means different things to different people because basically what functional fitness is, is your ability to do all of the activities of your day, whether it's at home, at work or during sports, you know, with ease and comfort. Now, for you, that's going to be one thing because you want to be functionally fit to play with your kids, to be able to lift them, run with them, roll around, you know, sit with them. You want to be able to run marathons. 
you need to be fit enough to get in and out of your cars. You're going off to meetings and, and you know, you probably sit quite a lot during your day in between moving around. What you is very different from a professional athlete who may need to be functionally fit in a different way. Um, you know, he might need speed, power. So, you know, really well well muscled explosive quads he, they may need real upper body strength for instance because they're playing a big contact sport like um football or you know what we would call you know rugby here in the in the southern hemisphere um but when you get to midlife again we need to be functionally fit and as you get older you still want to be functionally fit and and when you when you're more senior than midlife you need to be able to do a, four, a few core functional movements. You know, you need to be able to stand up and sit down and, you know, get up from sitting positions. You need to be able to twist. Um, you need to be able to walk well. You need to be able to reach. Those are real basic functional movements. And if you lose the ability to do those movements, which, you know, our bodies start degenerating quite young. You know, our bone density starts reducing. Um, all kinds of things happen from when we're in our mid-30s already. You know, things aren't as they were when we were younger. So if you don't keep practicing those movements and doing them regularly, um, and not in an isolated way, you know, a lot of a lot of exercise and, and gym work and stuff is is all around isolated kind of movements. So you'll be working on your biceps or you'll be working on your quads or your glutes or your core. The way we move in life is in an integrated way. I mean, if you walk through your day today, you'll see that you go from um, a reaching position to a kind of squatting, crouching position to get something out of a bottom drawer or to pick up your kids. Then you stand up, um, you know, then you'll bend over into your car to lift your groceries out of, out of, you know, the boot. You'll have to sit and stand from various different chairs, heights, positions. You'll be running up and down stairs potentially. Now, if you don't keep practicing those movements and those movement patterns, so not just doing squats or just doing bridges or just, you know, doing um, strength exercises on their own, you start losing your ability to be balanced and aligned in your body. And that's when you really kind of get to a point where the risk of injury um, escalates. Now, you'll know that most of the people over 60 that are going to the emergency room are going because they've broken a bone, they've twisted an ankle, they've fallen, they've, they've taken some kind of a fall because they've lost their balance. Now, all of us, no matter whether, you know, at your age, at, at my age, when you're older, what you really want to be focused on, no matter what else you're doing, is to be doing functional movement as part of your daily exercise practice. Um, because not only is it going to keep you sort of flexible, mobile, stable on your on your feet um, and stable in your body. It helps with strength because a lot of it is resistance. Um, and when your body is aligned and you are balanced, you have a much lesser risk of injury um, for tripping, falling, you know, losing your balance. And you're also able to do all the things that you like doing better. So I'm sure you stretch before you run and after you run. Right. And I'm sure the stretches you do are, you know, the kind of typical, you're going to stretch your quads, you know, you're going to maybe touch your toes a few times, you're going to maybe do a, a few upper body twists or turns. But if you could add an integrated movement routine, which is what we call our functional movement 
program. If you could add an integrated movement routine before and after your run, and it, they could be as short as five-minute routines, you are going to recover from those runs a whole lot quicker, which means you're going to be able to train better. And it means in your life, you know, you're not going to be stiff and achy and kind of groaning around um, in between as you recover. So if you're older and you are function, you know, you're doing a lot of functional movement, it means this year you're planting your spring bulbs or, I mean, I'm not sure what you, what you guys are getting ready to plant now or you're gardening, you're doing activities. When you don't do that activity for six or seven months and you go back to doing it, it's really hard. You know, it's much harder this year than it was last sure. year. Sure, right. And functional movement helps offset all of that kind of loss of movement um, in your joints. It keeps your range of motion good. Um, it keeps you flexible. And I think, you know, that really is is the key to all of us. So, so when you're young, you don't think about it because it's not really in your space yet. And you do a lot of exercise that is focused on you know, you run or if you cycle, it's all lower body. You know, your legs are great, your, your glutes mm -hmm. are great, you're doing all of that. You're not doing much with your upper body. You lose your ability to rotate um, and to twist. You know, your spine isn't as flexible as it should be, etc. Not great for, you know, when you're now 50 and you're, and you're wanting to kind of look at doing those things. So back to your, to a lot, again, a long answer to your question is, is, Everybody should be thinking about how the body was designed to move. The body was designed, I mean, if you think about, you know, the hunter-gatherer man, they had to be totally functional because it was a question of survival. Um, and we now have become thinkers and we are, we are sitters. Um, and sitting is, a, you know, the, the sedentary life that most of us live now is a disaster. So, you know, we need to really be working and, and conscious of how we move and how we move regularly during the day. There's a phrase out there that says, sitting is the new smoking, I think well, I've heard. You have, you have. And it's terrifying because it's actually true. This, the research about the fact that our lifestyle is so sedentary that is coming out every day, there's more. There's more that, you know, really reputable very smart scientists and researchers are doing in the field of, of movement and, you know, and the cost then of a sedentary life. And it's terrifying. Um, you know, sitting, sitting a lot causes all kinds of problems. Um, and it offsets, I mean, the scary thing, I actually read a report yesterday that was just released, that even if you go to gym every morning and you do 30, 40 minutes at the gym or whatever you do, if you then spend the rest of your day sitting, you may as well have not bothered, actually, because the impact is still going to be the same So on your, on your overall health. So we have to become movers again. I mean, as a, as a species, we have to start moving regularly throughout our day rather than going from, you know, bed to sitting to eat, to sitting in our cars, to sitting at our desks, to sitting on the train, to sitting for dinner, and then sitting and watching TV. Let's hit the topic a little bit more on that type of lifestyle. What are the major uh, issues that come up? I I'm, I'm immediately think like your back, like you said, it, it, interesting with being able to twist in your spine and, and depending on if you're doing lower body focused exercises only, 
don't have those other functional movements. What other parts of the body get affected by the constant sitting? And like you said, moving from one sitting place to your uh, your desk to getting in your car to sleeping. It's quite sort of terrifying when you think about it like that, you know, that, that is, that's what we do, maybe five days a week even if we work hard. So I think um, sedentary lifestyle kind of does a whole lot of issues. So so first of all, I mean your your whole your whole body needs to move to work. I mean that's how our bodies were built. So if our bodies are not moving, um you know our brains start slowing down. So let's just talk about that for a minute because that's that's terrifying, okay? Yeah. Our brains need you know, they need messages and, and they need to be stimulated and inspired. And if, if we are not moving, our whole system starts slowing down and shutting down. Um, you know, when we are just sitting around and not not active, I mean, it has an impact, obviously, on on our organs. So let's just your heart. I mean, if you're not doing much, that means you're not cardiovascularly fit. Um, so you're going to have heart issues and what's going to come with heart issues, high blood pressure, potentially, um, you know, risk of stroke, it comes next. So if you just think about kind of that, heart disease, diabetes, strokes, high blood pressure and other chronic diseases from sitting, I mean, even cancer, as they say, um, that is, you know, your your inflammation levels rise. I mean, it's just everything that happens in your body when you don't move is is a terrifying thing that we don't think about. Um, also, when you're not doing that, your mental health and also suffers. When you are sitting around and you're not active and you're not physical and you're not moving, many people actually start suffering from some level of depression. Um, you know, whether it's whether it's chronic or not, um, it's it really can be problematic. You know, you also then lose, um, in all of your joints, you will lose range of motion. So never mind that your organs are slowing down and that, you know, your, 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 your cardiovascular fitness is null and void. But if you are not um, moving your joints and we have, you know, our whole body is, is one big system. Nothing is, is isolated. So even when you're cycling, you know, your, your, your spine is involved, your arms are involved, you, you kind of move your hips a bit, you know, they go left to right as you cycle or whatever. But our, our body is an integrated being, you know, they, everything moves together. But if you are only using some parts of your body, you're creating an imbalance and when you're not using the others. So when you don't use your joints, I mean, I'm sure you've heard that saying, if you, if you don't move it, you lose it. Right. Um, and that really is also what happens with the body. So I'm sure that, I mean, we have a lovely little test that we do, you know, where you put your hands in front of you and you, and you rotate your arm backwards as if you were the hand of a clock to see how far back you can, you can go while you're, you know, if you're keeping your hips still facing forward, obviously if you twist your hips, even how far can you go? And it's amazing how with a very little bit of functional movement and using all of those joints and, and working on them you get your range of motion back. And range of motion, I mean, you know, when you can't reach behind you when you're old because you've lost the range of motion in your shoulders, you know, that that is quite problematic on a whole lot of levels. I won't give you any really good examples. Um, 
but I'm sure your listeners don't want to hear about that. But you really, you really want to keep your body working and in good shape. Heck, I even think that if you get to a really extreme place, getting out of bed probably <laughs> could be something that's affected, you know, starting your day, right? Literally. And I, I think, look, at midlife, a whole lot of things happen to you. And, and generally speaking, we all start feeling aches and pains we never felt before. Whether we're active, whether we're, you know, I've got friends who are triathletes. I mean, they're older than me and what they do in a day kind of makes my head spin. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's extraordinary. I don't know how they do it, but they do. And they love it. And, and it's great, um, you know, that they're out there and cycling for 27 days at a stretch and, and doing all kinds of extreme mad things. But the reality is, is that we start feeling aches and pains. They come from nowhere. You know, suddenly today you're like, oh, that was a bit of a, why have I got a pain there? I haven't done any exercise or whatever. It's a natural thing that happens with our bodies as we age. I mean, for women, we start heading, you know, we become perimenopausal and then menopausal. That creates aches and pains. Um, we get stiff much quicker when, you know, we don't recover as fast from exercising. So all of that is a natural part of getting older. And we can choose. I mean, this is the wonderful thing. We have a choice. We can choose to let it get the better of us. And you do see those people who let it get the better of them walking around. You know, they feel old before their time. Or you see somebody that's 80 and buzzing across the street and greeting everybody and energized and happy and lovely. And they feel young and they're in touch and they're, you know, involved. And that is because. They are, you know, they're, they're moving. They're making sure that they choose life. When you choose to stop moving, you know, you, you're making a, a choice that you don't have to make. We can all move more. We don't have to be going to the gym and, you know, doing a massive workout like me getting too sweaty in a crowd or whatever. Mm. We just have to think about how we move. We want to move more. We want to move in the way that our bodies were built to move, because they really are extraordinary, our bodies. Yes. And and also, it strikes me when people might think of getting to an older age, and maybe the reason I'm focused on why I'm curious, people even leading up to that point in their life, it's never too late, right? Um, that even if you've not done a lot of movements um, or not an athlete or whatever it happens to be, getting started sooner, of course, is better. But there's never a point where you're a lost cause, correct? Never, 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 never. I mean, look, prevention is always better than cure, of course. Um, unfortunately, it's human nature for many to need a crisis before they actually make a change. You know, I think that that is kind of how it goes. We all know what we should do, but doing it sometimes is really just, oh, do we have to do it? It's a step too far. We're tired. We're overworked, whatever it is. But a small amount of movement every day can make all of the difference. So there, there's a lot of research out there that talks about how much kind of cardio um, and strength training we should be doing as we get older to, to really um, make things work. And I think it's between 100 and it's around 150 minutes a week that they talk about. But what's really interesting is what that could be and how you do that. So for somebody that's really not moved for ages, or never mind that, maybe they're recovering from surgery or from a fall or whatever it is. 
and you know you lose your your muscle mass and your tone very quickly the older you get the quicker you you know you lose it um not like when you're younger when you could you know not do something for six weeks or eight weeks and kind of bounce back quite quickly um the minute you start doing the smallest of things um and literally even if you decided you were going to do five minutes a day three times during your day and you found some fun you know integrated functional movement and you just started doing them slowly slowly you will see a difference i mean i can promise you within a week or of doing that consistently people will already start feeling a difference it might not be massive but it will very definitely be clear to them that that they're doing it and you know it's not the wonderful thing about integrated functional movement or our integrated movement routines is that they're not competitive you know there's no there's nobody um going now you have to once you've done this for one week this is where you should have progressed to and then only when you progress to this place can you move to the next thing absolutely not i mean this is based on nature so everybody can do this no matter how old you are um no matter no matter what state you're in and maybe you even just do some of it sitting in your chair at first because you can't get out of your chair and you you know you're just twisting and moving or or maybe you get out of your chair more often i mean yanni often says if you do nothing the best thing you can do is do something even if that means every hour you get out of your chair and walk around it and sit back down again i would think in a lot of ways that is an easier way to gauge how well you're doing than chasing a number on the scale um or maybe even what clothes you're trying to wear or anything like that um if you're starting with a baseline of being able to get out of a chair more easily or get something out of a top kitchen cabinet uh, things like that your everyday life is going to be the gauge of how well you're doing uh, getting these types of regimens into your life just is your day-to-day life easier <laughs> than it was the day before when you were first doing those things and i'm also curious another cliche for people that are trying to do a lot of weight loss that keeping it off or, or taking the weight off is one thing but keeping it off tends to be even harder and one of the themes that we're talking about is um, being able to stick with routines and repetition, but for a different purpose, uh, again, for functionality of life. Are there similar pitfalls that you see in somebody doing these functional exercises um, to just gain more independence in their life as compared to somebody that's overweight and trying to lose that weight? And then again, you always hear the pitfalls of not being able to maintain whatever it is that they did to lose weight and then they go back to those same cycles. Absolutely. And I, and I think that those issues are life issues. You know, whether it's weight, whether it's exercise, whether it's whatever habits or goals we have that we're trying to achieve, if we don't spend time before we start figuring out um how we're we going to make that a part of our life going forward for the rest of our lives we're always going to be on that kind of yo-yo 
ride where we're going up and we're going down and we're going, you know, we fit and then we unfit or we thin and then we've put on weight again and our clothes are tight or we're, you know, we can run that marathon now and then six months later we've got to start again from the beginning because we finished it and we, you know, lay down and ate seven donuts a week because we get doing that. <laughs> I mean, that really is is often – we're often like that as humans, you know. So, so the optimal means philosophy is, is quite different to all of these things, whether it's nutrition, whether it's your your physical health, whether it's your, you know, your ability to move, your functional movement. One really needs to think for the long term about these things. And I mean, I've had a lot of experiences through my life that were all kind of led up to me doing this. So from a nutrition perspective, I was quite chubby. I wouldn't say that I was, you know, very overweight or obese. But um, when I, just as I turned 40, in fact, my one um, brother-in-law who who I still love, even though, turned around and said to one of my sisters, you know, I know she's single, but honestly, you know, has she not had a little oopsie? And I was like, you, she couldn't wait to come and tell me, of course, run, run, run down the passage. Ha, ha, ha. You know, my husband thinks that you're, you know, you're looking so big that you look like you're pregnant. And I was like, you know, he is actually a rude, horrible man. But it, it was again, one of those things where I was like, you know, if somebody's saying that about me, I'd better get a grip. And I was never, as I say, I was never you know, kind of obese or anything like that. But because I was working and, you know, I'm a single mom and I've got so much stress and pressure and demands on me, the way I was eating, didn't eat a lot, don't drink a lot, don't do anything a lot, but I just was out of shape. And, um, you know, I can't have to make myself precious little meals every day and you all good cooks, every excuse I could find. And um, again, I, I found somebody who, who, who gave me a, a kind of a diet. And look, I, it was one of those things where I lost weight quite fast, but it has become the way that I eat. And I believe that deprivation is terrible for any human being. I mean, I don't want to ever be deprived of anything. I love life. I love eating. I love good food. I love, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, I don't know what the point is if, if we can't do the things that make us happy. But I, Monday to Friday, am very disciplined about what I eat. You know, what I do, what goes in my mouth, I don't really drink. I have kept off 17 kilos for 12 years. And I promise you, when I go on holiday and I'm in Italy or wherever I am, I am eating. I'm eating and eating, but I come home and straight away I go back to that place. Now, movement is the same thing. We can't be disciplined all of the time. And we can't do something that's going to give us a quick win. And it might not be that quick. What's that? Six months, seven months. But it's not sustainable in our, in our life and in our lifestyle and in what we have to do. So ideally, no matter what it is, we want to find something that we can really make a lifelong habit with. So it's important that whatever it is, you enjoy. Because believe you me, if you're doing something that you don't enjoy, you're giving it up as fast as you can. Um, and it might sometimes be a bit sore or a bit of this or a bit of that. But we also want to be doing something that makes us feel good. Because, you know, when, our, when we feel good, we are creating dopamine. And dopamine is being produced happily in our brains and telling us how wonderful it is and how happy we feel and how nice it is. So if we find something that does that for us, it's not so hard to keep doing it. Because when you stop, you think, oh, I'm missing that feeling, you know. That was really nice. I I like 
I'm missing feeling good like that. So if we find something we can fit into our into our lifestyle and into our routine and our schedule, that isn't a big, huge, heavy lift. Because you can do a big, huge, heavy lift in the short term, but you can't do it for the rest of your life. Um, I think that's the that's part of finding really long term, long lasting solves that that help you sustain whatever it is. And you know, if you can find something that you can do when you're forty or forty five or fifty that you can still be doing when you're sixty and sixty five and seventy and seventy five and eighty, um, how fantastic! Probably one of the challenges for any workout program is finding something that you can stick with. And something you mentioned as part of your initial journey and getting into a class with a bunch of other folks and seeing what they're doing. And I assume when people are going onto your site and onto your program, um, there's a sense of community. And I have found for myself and definitely to uh, experts in the fitness world that I've talked to is a big thing to reduce friction for people to stick with a workout regimen. Has that been your experience as well? And is that something you focus on to make it a community atmosphere? So Greg, we're, we're still pretty new in terms of our, our online offering. Um, and we've been kind of approaching things slightly differently. Uh, we don't have a very big community yet. Um, you know, we're working on that and building that. We don't have current, you know, we have feedback loops and, and we have testimonials and things. And I think we have fantastic plans for for wonderful um, community activity and for people to be able to talk to each other and, and be supportive of each other. And I think it's really important. You know, there, there are people who love that. There are people who who are busy and, you know, just want to find something that they can do. But we've tried to build out a lot of support within our offering in terms of um, not the community support, unfortunately, because that is on our roadmap and in sort of the next six months that will be kind of live and happening. Um, but we, we try and make sure that everything anybody could need um, in terms of how to do things, if they're doing it right, what things mean. Um, we have a lot of information on our site to just try and get people over that hurdle as they make a habit. Um, and communi But community is great. You know, I mean, I look forward to the day that we actually, you know, have Yanni, who's, who just is, as I say, his workouts are fantastic. You know, I can't wait for the day mm -hmm. that we're, we're in Virginia doing a, doing a nice big live class with our community there for fun, you know, that they can come along right. and, and join in. So I really look forward to, to kind of creating that space for everybody. Um, and as I say, we will have our community running. I mean, we, you know, we have a Facebook page. We have, you know, we have those um, traditional elements where people can, we're, we're quite active in terms of being responsive and answering. Um, you know, we have a, a say hello at the Optimal Me address where people can write and, and ask us questions or query anything. Um, and our team are very good at, at being personally responsive. Um, you know, when, when people have questions and queries, you know, potentially about their health or something that they've got going on and they're really wanting to check in um, before they start doing stuff. Um, but I do look forward to having a community because I think what's wonderful is also feedback. You know, I think feedback is just, it's a fantastic thing because not, you know, good feedback, 
as well as the feedback where people are saying to you, look, I don't like this, or I want that, or, you know, um, one of the really amazing things on this journey of building the optimal me is, you know, I at 50 odd decided I was going to build a digital business and um, think I thought it was going to be quite quick and simple. You know, I had a lot of experience. I know a lot how to do a lot of things. <laughs> right. And let me tell you that I have been on, I, I can't tell you what I've learned in the last three years. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff I really am. I know, I mean, I've been doing it, you know, I can produce video. I can, you know, I know how to make things beautiful. I know how to generate content and get writers and people to do things. And, um, but the technical side of this and the user experience has really been an extraordinary journey. And I think for everybody that's involved, because, you know, I know it's going to sound a bit bizarre, but we run, we are the only online integrated functional movement platform that, that has this kind of exercise in unlimited classes that, that people that are older um, can, can do. And, you know, there's a lot of exercise all over the internet, but nothing quite like this. And every time I spoke to anybody and said, I want to do this, they would look at me. I mean, supply, potential suppliers, you know, people that were going to develop and do tech and they'd say, but there's hundreds of exercise apps. What on earth? Why, why would anyone want another one? Oh, old people aren't on the internet. Why are you making something for older people? Like, <laughs> just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. All of these things. And, and I, if I tell you the amount of nights that I actually sort of came home or got back from a business trip and sat in a corner and I thought, have I really totally and utterly lost my marbles? Um, Anyway, I just kept thinking, they don't really know what they're talking about. I've done my research and I know. <laughs> and a few months later, everybody that was involved would go, cheapest, you know. Um, there really isn't anything specifically like this. No, okay, good. But the excitement that we've had as a team, and even the developers, because, you know, most of them are quite young. They're not, they're not in our space. Of really understanding what our audience needs from a technology perspective. Well, not what they need, but what they're comfortable with. Because it's not always the latest version of how UX, where it's heading or how, you know, this and that. We really want things that are quick, easy, basic, save us time. And we don't want to have to look too hard. And please don't change anything once we've gotten to know how it works, you know. Um, and I've had to have sort of real, I've had to have real long discussions about um about things that that our our users have fed back on but convincing people that actually you know having a home button on our site is i know it's old i know it's you know last decade but actually we want a home button because it's quick and easy for us to then find our way around no that no 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 nobody wants that and then we would do like broad testing and that's exactly um what we'd find so we'd then go okay well now we need to go back and kind of redo our thing and and work on the ux so so what's been a joy really is is digging into something that's brand brand new i mean sometimes it's made me feel ancient and i'm like why did i what was i thinking um but for me the great part is is that i you know i love that i've got into um integrated movement routines on my phone and on my laptop and that i can still feel great and not go back to feeling like I was, you know, those few years ago when I was beyond stressed out, et cetera, because 
um, you know, doing new things can be can be very challenging in many ways. And um, as much as it's rewarding, you know, you've got to get to the end. So I can't I can't recommend func- in, like integrated functional movement enough to to you to to anybody actually. I mean, we're focusing on on people of of midlife because because we know it's now more important than ever. At this point in our life, this is more important than ever. Um, but even you, you know, before and after your runs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why I wanted to spend a little bit of time on the sitting part because everything you described, that's absolutely me. I have a desk job where I'm sitting, staring at a computer screen. I think there's been so much emphasis in the news about social media and your phones that maybe one of the unintended consequences is that people don't count in the amount of time they're sitting in front of their computer because it's part of their job, but it's the same concept (laughs) that you are sitting, not doing anything with the rest of your body for long, long periods of time. Everybody else is doing it. (laughs) So you don't see an alternative way to uh, spend your day, at least for maintaining your health. And that can be a real issue. So no, I think you're exactly right that it is not just that age range. And that's also why I think it's important to have the emphasis of a never too late and also never too early to start um, to develop a habit and keep it going. And that's why I think it's also the interesting comparison of some of the adages of, you know, losing the weight harder to keep it off. Well, we're talking about habits and being able to break bad habits and adding in new habits. Those are important at any stage of life. I'll also say that, you know, what you're describing around community, I I would argue that what you are doing as far as your feedback loop and being available to your initial testers and as people get more familiar with the site. That is a sense of community, um, even from the standpoint of that somebody would have a roadmap um, if they want to make sure they're doing the program correctly or, if, like you said, if they even have changes they'd like to see. Getting uh, feedback from you and your team um, is a sense of community even though it's not necessarily what we think of, like you said, you know, the the big mass uh, fill-in-the-blank world-renowned fitness programs and everybody gets together and does those. There's something to be said for that. But um, even getting some personal feedback is huge. Actually, a quick comparison for what I'm doing with my marathon training. I joined a running group for the first time. I am training harder than I ever have because I want to see if I can qualify for the Boston Marathon. And what I have found is that there's not a lot of runners that are running at the pace I am. So I'm actually missing a bit of that community because I'm not getting that direct feedback about how I'm doing and what's going on. So yeah, there's a big mass of people, but if I'm isolated uh, for looking for the specifics that I think would help me get to the next level or coach me to the next level, that certainly is a part of a community in and of itself. So it sounds like from my perspective, you're already doing the right things to create the sense of community as you're continuing to ramp up and be up and running. So Again, yeah, I think it is definitely an important demographic and it is important to make sure that nobody's left behind. Uh, And you mentioned nutrition, and I totally agree that there is so much information out there 
that it can get very, very confusing. So at least having some of the obvious things <laughs> to, to keep some of the guesswork out. One of my favorite examples, I always pick up my parents about this. I remember growing up in the 1980s and watching cartoons these sugary cereals and they'd always end their commercials with part of this complete breakfast and of course you'd see the sugary cereal with toast and orange juice and i don't know maybe a glass of milk or something like that and now people knowing what they know about that not really being the best breakfast habit probably <laughs> it seems ridiculous to go back and listen to those commercials so i think at least taking some of the guesswork out looking back to say, yeah, there's some confusion about eggs is a great example. Sometimes it's something that they say, yep, have the whole thing, have the yolk. It's great for you. Then it seems like a couple of years later, it's different. Okay. That may be something that gets a little bit confusing. Don't get too far on that. But if you have some hard and fast, obvious things <laughs> that can be done, I think that again, helps people stay on track because it takes out some of that guesswork. And again, I think having a feedback loop um, as people are getting used to your program and what you all are doing, um, I, I think that probably is very, very helpful. And one other thing I'm curious of that we focus on on our show is how what you're an expert in is translating into other areas of your life. Have you found that being dedicated to fitness and the program that you're building has translated into uh, parenting or, or other things that you do as far as building good habits, having a good regimen? I, by nature, am one of those very, I, I am very disciplined. I have got a very big discipline gene somewhere in my coding. Um, so luckily, you know, when I decide something, I'm, I'm pretty good at going, that's it. And, and I can be quite black and white and very determined. But I do watch a lot of my friends. I mean, my daughter is completely different. Thankfully, she does have a little bit of the discipline habit. Um, you'll know from parenting, there's certain things you just give up on quite early in life when you go, okay, this is going to, this is going to be a fight forever. So, And I'm never going to win it. Um, nature's going to win here. So let me just pack my issues about this aside. But what I do find is that Number Well, from, from a personal perspective, what I love is, look, I feel great. I mean, I live a very active, busy, engaged life, um, and I feel good. I have a lot of my friends and, and family, you know, they always say, but how do you, or what do you, or why do you, or where do you? And I, and I find that I'm almost going into this space without, ever it, without it ever being intentional, where I'm getting to talk publicly a whole lot more where I'm getting to kind of even just talk within my own groups of people, within my office, um, even within the within our guys that are building the site that are on another continent and whatever, about all of the wonderful things that we're learning and the amazing people that I'm getting to connect with and talk to. And, you know, when you walk, I mean, one of my favorite, in fact, it's probably my only real big saying, you know, I'm not interested kind of, if you're not going to walk your talk, I have no interest. So for me, you know, words are, are kind of fairly meaningless. I want to see actions um, because in my industry, you hear a lot of words, lots and lots, and they're fancy and they're beautiful and lyrical, but mostly aren't followed by action. And, you know, then you're, you're up the creek without a paddle. So 
for me, what I find so joyous about doing this is is that I can see that what I put into action every day, and as I say, I, you know, I'm I'm very much about making sure that things fit in my life, that it works for me, doing things that I like. I don't want to do things I don't like. I don't want to eat food that I don't like. I don't want to do exercise that I don't like. I love that that what we are working on can actually fit into anybody's lifestyle, into anybody's day, because we're not coming along and banging anyone with a big stick going, you have to do this for 50 minutes, three times a week, and then you've got to do this and this. No, find a way to make this work within your life. Um, find a way to eat sensibly. So, you know, if you if you are having too much sugar, well, you've actually got a problem. Um, you need to get it under control. And, and it's one of the hardest things. I mean, sugar, along with sitting, smoking, and stressing, kind of becomes the next X. Yes. So how do you get, how do you work on those things without it becoming um, such a focus that everything else diminishes and then it's not sustainable? So I'm loving that kind of the sustainable way I approach my life is is becoming a really kind of good example for people around me. I mean, even my clients, um, you know, I still work in advertising. You know, we, we're getting to talk a lot about this. And what I love is that this is about being healthy and energized and well and, you know, just being able to really embrace life. And when you don't feel good, you can't. So, I mean, yeah, for me, I'm loving how I feel and I live by what we, by what we do. Um, and I hope that other people get to sort of experience that and 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 feel the improvements in their own lives. Absolutely. And it also strikes me there's a parallel uh, to what you're doing in, in the theme of our talk of delayed gratification. So, again, if that's in nutrition, yeah, that cookie tastes good in that minute that you have it. But not having that and then feeling better <laughs> in all other aspects of your life is really the thing that you should be striving for. There's definitely a parallel in parenting, stopping that tantrum by giving my kid the thing they want right then relieves it in the moment. It's not going to help them <laughs> later on in life when they, yeah, when they realize that that's not how life's going to work and uh, people just aren't going to want to be their friends basically if they continue to have those tantrums and and can't work well with others financially of course goes without speaking that or without saying that do i really need that clothing article when i could be saving for my retirement or my child's education or something else like that so it's probably just being very aware and very conscious of what feels good in the moment may not necessarily be the thing that benefits you the most in the long term and, and just staying aware of that. You've got A, B, C, D, and E, and you need to make a choice. But should you think about how you're going to make a healthy choice? And I think a healthy choice isn't just about what food you're going to eat or if you're going to have water versus a sugary soda or if you're going to go to your sport commitment or banquet or if you're going to you know stay up late watching tv when you know you've got to be up early in the morning or whatever those things are those choices that we learn to you know we have to make we make choices day in and day out 
all of us in life. Um, and and some choices just become, you know, there's some that we just get so good at. Like we, we just, we don't even think about how we answer. You know, do you want milk and sugar? No, thanks. I'll drink mine black. Or whatever those things are that we know are good for us. We, we learn those habits. Um, and And what's amazing is it used to irritate her. Well, you can imagine, you've got kids. I don't know if they're old enough to be rolling their eyes at you yet or giving you that. But, you know, when I would say to her, well, you know, think about this. Do you want to make a healthy choice or not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it feels like it's a bit passive aggressive, <laughs> to be honest, right. as I say it now. Um, but I really was kind of trying to be this conscious parent, you, like really living through teachable moments. You know, I'm not going to tell you what you have to do, but try and evaluate the choice you make. And it's extraordinary how good she is, even now in her 20s, at making healthy choices because she learned she could choose. It was up to her. I wasn't, I mean, unless it was a really bad choice, I wasn't necessarily going to stop her. Um, And I certainly didn't put up with bad behavior. But we all can get into the discipline of making healthy choices. And when we do, a healthy choice might be, look, I really, um, I really, haven't, you know, had a cookie for the last seven days. And actually, if I don't have this one now, I'm going to start just dreaming about cookies because I really feel like I need to have a cookie. And I'm and I'm listening to myself and, and my, my body and maybe I just do need a little bit of something. Um, so we can decide on everything, how we spend money, how we, where we go, what we do, what we eat, how we exercise, what, what health advice we listen to because let's be frank about that too. Often the advice we get may seem like it's healthy, but it's not really. You know, it can have all kinds of other impacts, etc. So I like to think about making healthy choices. Um and and that I think it makes it easier. You know, if you're gonna make ten choices in a week and eight of them are healthy choices, um, unless the other two are really catastrophic, like you know, you're, you're, you're doing well. Presumably it builds on itself. Uh, so even one of the themes that we talked about, if you're starting at five out of 10 of those choices and you get up to eight, just as an example, then great. You're only have yourself as the baseline for improvement. Um, so the more you can keep building, you know, the more you get the snowball effect of, um, healthy choices, healthy ways of living. We're so down on ourselves a lot of the time. I mean, I think that we've become our own worst enemies to a large degree. You know, we self-flagellate a lot. We set lofty goals that we know are probably not attainable in the short term or or not even necessarily attainable for us in the in the state that we're in at that time or whatever. We're unrealistic about what is doable, what is reasonable what is good enough, you know, as opposed to perfection. And I think that is that is one of the things that is really a, a cornerstone of our program is that it is about the fact that it's progressive. You start small. You don't try to, you know, kind of be the next whoever in three months' time or whatever. You take it at your own pace and you continuously make small improvements. And it's wonderful how the psychology of that is completely different when you're making small improvements versus failing at the goal you set out to achieve. 
because it was just absurd in the first place. You know, there was no way you were ever going to lose 10 kilos in the first two months of the year or and keep it off or whatever it is. So we also need to learn to be kinder to ourselves because I think we aren't that. And the one lovely thing for me that I've learned on this journey is to be kind to myself. You know, sometimes I make a mess. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes I don't achieve what I wanted to achieve. Sometimes I wanted to do a 30-minute workout. I stop after 15 um, or whatever it is. Sometimes I do a workout with one of my friends and they might go, oh, but you can do this so well and I'm so bad at this. Or I might look at them and think, oh my word, look how flexible they are and I'm battling. The reality is it doesn't matter. I'm doing the best that I can do at the time. And that actually is good enough. And I think that if we learn to actually be good to ourselves and kind to ourselves, good enough that I was working up, that I was doing an integrated movement routine. I could have been sitting down reading a book or watching TV or on my phone or whatever. Instead, I'm moving. Well done me. If we can just stop making small changes that we can build on and, and you know, and be kind to ourselves if we don't always get to it. I think that that also changes the the kind of behavior arc. And, and we'll see a whole, a much better long-term result than the kind of hard, fast, we want it all now space that a lot of us are in. I think that's good advice and probably a good place for us to conclude. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that, you'd like to mention as far as the program or just even functional movements and fitness? So I think just just one kind of last thing we've, we've covered so much. So, I mean, you know, we all know why we should move. So, you know, movement, just to recap, I think it reduces your risk of chronic disease, heart disease, diabetes, strokes, high blood pressure. Very importantly, you know, functional movement and integrated functional movement will improve your mobility, stability, flexibility, and strength. And when you're doing that, um, you're improving your bone and muscular strength, which we all know is is key. I mean, I think it's 64%, as I was saying, of injuries come from falls. Um, so you're reducing your risk of injury when you do that. Um, and the wonderful the wonderful other issue around around good functional movement is that it improves your brain health and memory. Um, and it decreases, you know, your feelings of potentially depression, anxiety, and stress. And I think that on its own, I mean, those are four very simple reasons to move. And um, what I just say to everyone is we say that, you know, with Optimal Me, you can find your physical freedom in just 15 minutes a day. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's a small step. It's not a, it's not a big step. It's a small step to find 15 minutes in your day. Um, and the, the rewards are, are massive. So, um, you know, go in and get researching about, about integrated functional movement and what functional movement can mean for you. And please visit our site at um, theoptimal.me. So um, that's www the optimal as one word dot me um and we'd love to hear anybody's comments we're always looking for feedback <laughs>
The program is The Optimal Me. The website is theoptimal.me. We will have that in the show notes. And Liz, do you have any other contact information or social media contacts that you'd like to give out? We have a Facebook page um, and you can find us on Facebook at theoptimal.me. The same for LinkedIn. Um, And I'm going to have to email you, Greg, my Instagram handle because off the top of my head, I don't remember. I think it is also the optimal. I don't think it's a dot me, it's a me, but I will pop that through to you now after this. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And when the show gets published, we will be sure to have some Instagram posts where we tag you so that folks know exactly where to get you. And then again, um, we will have that in the show notes. Well, Liz, again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show and we will be in touch. Fantastic. Well, yeah, and let us know when when you're going to publish and we will make sure that we share that on all of our social platforms too. That sounds great. Yeah, brilliant. Have a great day. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly episodes, please hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to help us even further, visit suburbanfolk.com and you'll find a donate button where all the money goes back into the show for you. Thanks for listening. Suburban Folk is part of the Pod All the Time podcasting network with 11 other great podcasts. Head over to suburbanfolk.com for links to their shows.